grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of our triune God, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. When I was in college, I spent a summer working for a construction company. We built a number of houses that summer, but there is one in particular that I still remember. We were doing an addition to a lake house. We raised the roof line, we built a new fireplace, we remodeled the kitchen, we turned the garage into a master bed-bathroom suite, and we also built a massive deck that overlooked the lake. And I distinctly remember that I was the one who had been ordered to go and dig all the post holes for that deck, and it was fantastic. Because we were right by the lake, so the ground was super soft, and every scoop you took just came right out. <coughs> Except then I got it down about two feet, and all of a sudden, the hole started filling with water. Well, we didn't have any choice. That's where the deck was going. So we had these concrete pucks that we were going to put into the hole to serve as a foundation for the posts. And I distinctly remember dropping the puck into the hole and watching it disappear with a watery blurp. I've never been back to that house. <laughs> I can only assume that at this point that deck is no longer straight and level like I left it, but it is settled and it is now crooked because it was not built on a firm foundation. Anyone who's ever worked on houses, anyone who's ever built anything knows the importance of building a structure on a firm and solid foundation. Because if the foundation is weak, the entire structure is compromised. One of the examples of this that I immediately thought of is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Because that structure was not built on a firm foundation, it was built on soft ground. And so over the centuries, it has slowly begun to tip and tilt. Any building that is not built on a solid foundation eventually will crumble and fall. The same is true of faith. Any faith that is not built on the rock-solid foundation of Christ, our righteous rock of refuge, will eventually fail. Now, the picture I used for my sermon slide this morning is a picture of Edinburgh Castle. As you can see, that building is built on a solid foundation. The builders wanted to have an absolutely solid foundation of rock to withstand all the attacks and assaults of the enemies that would come against that castle. As Christians, our faith is built on something far stronger. Our faith is built on the absolute rock-solid truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came into this world to defeat the power of sin, to pay for our sins, and to smash the gates of hell. This is the truth that we hear the Apostle Peter confessing in our gospel reading this morning, and this is the righteous rock of refuge that our faith is built on. Now, our gospel lesson this morning comes near the end of Jesus' public ministry on this earth. Jesus had been teaching and preaching for some time now, and now he goes away far to the north, north of the Sea of Galilee, and takes his disciples with them. And while he's there, he asks them a question. He wants to know, who do people say the Son of Man is? 
Now, the disciples responded with a variety of answers that they had heard the crowd say. Some people believed that Jesus was John the Baptist returned. Others thought that he was Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other Old Testament prophets reborn and come again. All of these answers reflect the truth that the people did not believe that Jesus himself was the promised Messiah. Because you see, Jesus did not meet their expectations. The people were looking for a Savior who would come and would free them from the oppressive yoke of the Romans. A Savior who would be a new king, an heir of David, who would make the nation of Israel a strong and mighty kingdom like it had been in the days of Solomon and David. But Jesus did not meet those expectations. Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of God, a kingdom not of this world. And so Jesus was not the Savior that people expected, but he was the Savior that they needed. Unfortunately, this is same for our generation yet today. People do not know the answer to that question, who Jesus is, who is the Son of Man? Now, people have a variety of different answers to that question. Undoubtedly, they have heard about Jesus, but they don't know the truth. They don't know that he is the Savior. They don't know that only by believing in him is there salvation and eternal life. Some people may think that Jesus is merely another great religious leader on the same level with Muhammad and Buddha. Others believe that Jesus was a good man, maybe even a great, perfect good man. But all he did was come and teach us how to love and accept one another and give us an example for us to follow in our lives. They don't know the truth. And without that saving knowledge, there is no salvation. The Apostle Paul describes what saving faith is like in our readings from Romans 10 when he says, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus next asks his disciples, who do you think I am? Now the disciples had been with Jesus for some time now. They had heard him teaching and preaching. They had seen his power displayed in the many miracles that he had done they were beginning to understand. And so Peter, as the spokesman for the group, gets up and boldly boldly confesses, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Peter made this bold confession while the disciples were off alone with the Lord. But as we know from the pages of Scripture, Peter was not always so great in confessing his faith at other times. If you remember just a few weeks ago, we heard the story of Peter going out to meet Jesus while he was walking on the water. But when Jesus saw the wind and the waves, he doubted and he began to sink. He didn't trust that Jesus was going to watch over and protect him. Immediately following this section of Matthew, Jesus begins telling the disciples how he must now go to Jerusalem And when he is there, he will be put to death by the chief priests and other leaders of the people. And Peter rebukes him. 
And Jesus turns around with that harsh rebuke of his own and says, Get behind me, Satan. And then later, on the night before Jesus was put to death, Peter denied Jesus three times. Denied that he even knew who he was. Yes, here while Jesus talks about Peter being that rock and having that rock-solid confession, Peter was not always rock-solid in his own life. But before we get too critical of Peter, we need to stop and consider how rock-solid our own confession is in our lives. It is one thing, dear friends, to confess our Savior within the walls of these church, to sing his praises surrounded by our brothers and sisters in Christ. It is quite another to confess our faith when we are out in a world that is hostile to our Savior and hostile to the message of God's word. We have to think, have we always confessed our Savior as boldly as we should? Have we confessed our Savior when we are among friends, co-workers, or even family? Or have we gone along with gossiping about others, joining in in coarse and crude joking? Have we confessed our Savior and willfully submitted to those that God has placed in authority over us? Or have we grumbled, complained, and criticized God's representatives here on this world? Do we confess our faith boldly, proclaiming the truths of God's word? Or do we hide our faith, knowing that many of the things that God's word teaches are not accepted by our world today? That if we proclaim the truths of God's word, we will be labeled as unloving, if not called a bigot to our faith? Dear friends, we know that we have not boldly confessed our Savior. We have not made the most of every opportunity to share our faith. We have not boldly confessed Christ. We fall into our sins of habit when we find it easier to break one of God's commandments than to keep it. Our faith often is not a solid foundation. Our faith is at times just like that soft, mushy sand that I watched that concrete puck disappear into. But praise be to God. Praise be to God that our, the strength of our faith is not what saves us, but instead it is that solid foundation that our faith is built upon, the absolute rock-solid truth that Peter confessed when he said that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is our cornerstone, our solid ground and sure foundation. He is our righteous rock of refuge. This is why Jesus tells us to look at the example of Peter in our gospel lesson this morning. Not to Peter as the man, but to the confession that Peter made. The truth that he confessed that Jesus was the Christ the anointed one, the promised Messiah, the one that God had promised to Adam and Eve way back in the Garden of Eden when God promised that he would send someone to crush the head of the Satan and to redeem all his people from their sins. 
Jesus was the fulfillment of every promise that God made throughout the Old Testament. Every promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus is the Christ. And more than that, Peter confessed also that Jesus was both true God and true man, the only begotten Son of the living God. The same living God that we heard about in our Old Testament lesson this morning. The God who appeared in smoke and fire to his people on Mount Sinai. The God who preached this sermon about himself and said, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and overflowing with mercy and truth, maintaining mercy for thousands, forgiving guilt and rebellion and sin. He will by no means clear the guilty. He calls their children and their children's children to account for the guilt of their fathers, even to the third and fourth generation. Our God is holy and just. And because our God is holy, he demands that we must keep his law perfectly, 100% of the time. That to even stumble and fall at one point in our life to break just one commandment, if we were capable of only doing that, would still be enough to condemn us to eternal death. But we have all been born in sin. We all know that we daily sin much and we understand that because of our sin, we deserve God's wrath and punishment but our God is also merciful and compassionate. A God who wants to forgive his people, who does not want anyone to perish. God wants to shower us with his love and forgiveness, but because he is just, that debt must be paid. But it was a debt that no human could ever pay. And so God, in his love and mercy, sent his one and only Son to make payment for our sins to live a life free from sin, to live a life keeping God's law perfectly 100% of the time and then offering that life as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. This is the truth that Peter confessed, the truth that we confess as well, that Jesus Christ, the true Son of God, offered his perfect life as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the entire world, that by his death we have been forgiven. That as scripture says, our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west and that God remembers them no more. That when God looks at us, he does not see all the times that we have failed to boldly confess our Lord. He does not see all the times that we have broken his commandments. Instead, he sees only the perfect righteousness of Christ that has been given to us as a gift. And by his death and resurrection, we have been fully forgiven by the blood of Christ. Jesus has destroyed the power of death and shattered the gates of hell. Jesus praised Peter for his confession and proclaimed that his church would, not, would be built on that unshakable rock of Christ and that even the very gates of hell would not be able to overcome the church because Christ had defeated them. Dear friend, Satan can no longer accuse us of our sin. He can no longer accuse us because Christ has completely defeated his power. He has crushed the head of that old serpent. He has defeated hell. In his resurrection, Christ descended into hell and marched victoriously there and declared his complete and total victory. 
He destroyed the power of death so that it no longer holds any fear for his people because we know that we too will be raised from the dead and will live in the glorious kingdom of our eternal God for all time. This is why we can boldly confess and sing as we did in our hymn a few minutes ago, no guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. Only believers can proclaim this foundational message of truth to the world. We have the only answer to that question, who is the Son of Man? We boldly confess, like Peter, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We boldly confess all the truths of God's word, both the law and the gospel. These are the keys of the kingdom that Jesus has said he has given to his church, to us, his believers, his people, to go forth and proclaim into the world. We use that binding key, the key of the law. When we point out the sins of others, when we preach the message that by nature we are born dead in sin, we are born as hostile enemies to God, and that there is absolutely nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. But this is a message that is not popular in the world. People do not want to hear how their lifestyle choices are contrary to God's word. People do not want to hear how selfishly seeking after their own wants and desires is against God's word. But before we get too self-righteous, before we start going around and boldly pointing out the sins of others, we have to remember that we too do not like hearing the message of the law. Our sinful natures do not like being reminded of all the times that we have failed to keep God's commandments, how we too were born in sin and death. But this is why the message of the gospel is so sweet, that loosing key that reminds us that Jesus Christ has died and paid for the sins of the world, that our sins have been completely forgiven and that there is absolutely nothing that we need to do to earn our forgiveness, but that it has been given to us as a gift of faith. But that is a message, too, that at times is hard to hear. Our sinful nature balks at the idea of being told that there is absolutely nothing we need to do to earn God's favor. We think, surely I must do something to earn this gift. Surely God wouldn't simply give it to me. But that is the amazing gift of the gospel, that Jesus Christ did it all, that Jesus Christ completely paid for our sins, that he destroyed the power of death and shattered the gates of hell for us. Yes, dear friends, we have a righteous rock of refuge. We cling to Christ through life's fiercest droughts and storms. We know that at times our faith is shaky ground. But we rejoice knowing that we are not saved by the strength of our faith, but instead are saved by the rock that our faith is built on. The absolute unshakable truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who has forgiven our sins and destroyed the gates of hell. We are his people. We are redeemed. We are saved. And there is absolutely nothing in all of creation that can ever move us from our righteous rock of refuge. Amen. 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, nor the things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate me from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.